Hello, and welcome to a mini bubble of My Streaming Bubble. You know, that podcast where I talk about the shows I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your TV watching and talking host, Jen, and today I'm here to get all spacey-wacy and timey-wimey with the first of the three Doctor Who specials, The Star Beast. So, everyone else is, <laughs> not everyone, but it seems like everyone else has put out their own uh, episode for the 60th anniversary special, where they're bringing back David Tennant and Catherine Tate, and it seems fitting that I do one as well, because Donna is my favorite companion for 10. Anyway, so uh, with Donna being my favorite companion, her ending always made me the saddest slash maddest. <laughs> and this episode, this special was everything for me. This was my justice for Donna. I am so thrilled with this episode. It had me, it had everything. It had humor, action, heartbreak, you know, those nice sentimental moments. And I just love reminiscing with these two in a way. Donna's season with David Tennant is probably my most watched 10th Doctor season. Uh, because I don't like Rose. I, that shit makes me so fucking mad. But we'll save that for another rant. Or you can listen to one of my other Doctor Who episodes. Uh, Who's Who, The Companions with me, Laura, and Eric. We also did one with just the Doctors and the villains. So and we kind of go on about which of the Doctors is our favorite and why. Which of the Companions, favorite and why. And kind of best baddies. So those were a lot, a lot of fun to record. I love talking about Doctor Who, so I can always talk about more Doctor Who. And who knows, if someone wants to come on and talk about this episode and maybe the next one, or even uh, wait till the third one drops and then we cover all three, I am all for that. But before we get on to my very spoilery uh, review, I guess, of this episode, I want to hit up a little bit of old business. It's not going to take very long, but the old business of finding a better name for my watch and react mini bubbles. Uh, Eric dropped a few suggestions. They are View and Slew, Hot or Not, an Honest Movie Review, Is It Worth a Rewatch, and From Fail to Hail. And then one other suggestion, the only other one like I could come up with was Stream It or Leave It. Um, But yeah, I... The, the reaction episodes, I mean, I guess I can just call them reaction episodes or live watch episodes, but it's, I don't know, it's too on the nose. <laughs> it's not any fun. <laughs> so keep an eye out for a poll coming soon, uh, and you can vote for which one you like the best or drop any other suggestions, and we'll, uh, we're work, we'll work on getting this these episodes renamed. So uh, let's see what else, anything else. I think that's going to be it for old business. Another, I guess one other random new businessy ish thing is, uh, you know, my tagline is talking about the shows I love with the people I tolerate. Uh, 
over the last four years, this podcast has grown. And so it isn't just TV shows, but also movies uh, with it being mostly that it's all streamable, whether it's uh, video on demand and you pay for the rental or it's available through a streamer that you're <laughs> that we're all paying way too much for. Fucking price hikes. But thinking about maybe tweaking it a little bit, talking about the streams I love. No, that sounds inappropriate and gross. So maybe I'll just leave well enough alone. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be enough of old business and new-ish kind of business. So on to the new, new business. I have a cat sitting right on my laptop. I think he hears me talking shit about him because he's right in front of me. So I got to move a few things around because he keeps sitting on things. All right. On to new who business. So spoilers for Doctor Who the Star Beast and Alonzi. Oh, sure. Now Sarge stands up and he's trying to lay down on my computer again. <laughs> I love having a cat. I want a cat. I should get a cat. Sorry. Sorry. Didn't mean to shame you, Sarge. Anyway, so just kind of a, we'll try and make this as quick as possible, a quick little recap of the episode and kind of just how much I loved it. So you can, <laughs> if you want, I'm guessing I'm going to say that I love this episode a lot or different moments. So I would say, you know, if you want, play a drinking game. But if it contains, if you're playing a drinking game with booze, you might die. So maybe don't. But I loved this episode <laughs> from the moment it started with that previously on Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time Lord. And just, yeah, just the recapping of their season and their run. And luckily I had recently finished uh season four or series form with Ten and Donna. And like I said, it's my probably one of my favorite seasons, especially with Ten. Uh Donna's my favorite companion. It breaks my heart every fucking time. So this was everything I have been waiting for all of these years. My cat's looking at me like, bitch, you have lost your mind. But it was great. I felt that it, I mean, it does an amazing job just kind of recapping in case anyone didn't get a chance to get a rewatch in or just to enjoy, I guess. It was very well done. I love when the 14th Doctor is, you know, he's like, why this face? There's just moments in it where it's like, there's 10. He's still being very dramatic and I love it and I'm here for it. So and then after that, we get the brand new intro. And, you know, I got to say, you can tell the series has that Disney money. The cat's trying to leave now because I guess I'm talking too loud in his face. So he's going to stand really obnoxiously like underneath the microphone arm. <laughs> I'm talking about you. <laughs> Just move that a wee bit. All right. Um... God damn it, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, yes, the Disney money. So 
Doctor Who now has the big mouse house money, and you can see it in this introduction uh, with the TARDIS flying, and it looks great, and I don't hate it, but I do have to say I'm a little, I'm a little, little just a wee bit torn on the whole uh, Doctor Who having big time Disney money, um, because I feel like part of the charm of Doctor Who is kind of their lower quality effects, we'll say. Because, uh, I mean, I just think back to, like, that first episode with Nine and Rose, and we see Mickey, <laughs> after he's been consumed by the trash can, just looking very, very plasticky. And, I mean, just everything with even that first episode. Um, but I feel like that's very much the spirit of Doctor Who. I never really got into, like, the classic Who, but I remember it being on, like, TV when I was younger. Like, the old black and whites. And I just remember seeing the Daleks and being like, not impressed, not scared, because I'm like, it's a trash can with a whisk and a plunger. (laughs) But over the course of 60 years, I mean, the Daleks are, they're scary. They're, They're big bads, right? So there's a lot that can still be done with these kind of lower quality effects, I guess. Um, And it still works. I don't know. I don't hate it, but I am, like I said, I'm a little miffed. I did like all the exciting, explosive, action-y bits. Uh, Those definitely look like it had that big-time mouse house money. And that's not to say Doctor Who, pre-Disney money, didn't have big, exciting, explosive, action-y bits. Because it did. But, I don't know. Maybe it just felt like better effects, knowing that they have Disney money now. But, either way, love the intro. It looks great. TARDIS flying around like it do. Uh, The music is phenomenal, because the music is a huge part of Doctor Who. Um... I think Eleven's theme will always be my favorite. I think it just it's perfect for the Eleventh Doctor. Um, and it's very much just kind of like, I don't know, it just gets you up and going. It's my alarm clock is is Eleven's theme. And I don't know, it's just a good way to get up and running. Alright, so then the the Doctor lands in the TARDIS. Um And is wandering the streets like he does, smiling, just kind of taking it all in. And then, oh, he bumps into Donna. And that whole exchange and the way that we're reintroduced to Donna and their interactions was perfect. It's like, even with Mind Wiped Donna, they still didn't miss a step with these two characters. And... When she mentions that, you know, her daughter's name is Rose or starts calling for Rose, the way she repeats Rose's name at the doctor, it's just increasingly annoyed. Perfect. Loved it. And then right away we meet Donna's daughter, Rose, and we find out that she has a little stuffy business because she's got a bag of eyes. And it's I love that at first the doctor was very concerned about a bag of eyes. <laughs> Silly old doctor. But we find out Rose has like a she makes these toys, these stuffies, 
And she sends them all to, what was it, Abu Dhabi? Dubai? Um, sorry. I had one thing written down, but now I'm pretty sure that that was incorrect. And my spelling is atrocious, so uh, not, even though I've watched the episode five times, I have now confused myself. But either way, there's someone from Dubai, I think, um, that seems to be a repeat customer for Rose. Uh, Donna mentions this person a couple of times, at least twice. I thought maybe thrice, but maybe I'm just making that up now. But either way, very curious. Um, and then later when we see the stuffies and we get that explanation as to what they actually are, I love it and I want all of them. They are like my new Pokemon. I'm going to fucking collect them all, goddammit. Um, but then real quick with the comment that Donna makes to the doctor about <laughs> wearing a suit that tight, not past the age of 35. Um I fucking, I don't know. I feel like that's a, that was a line more from actor to actor, kind of Catherine Tate giving David Tennant some shit, um, more than character to character. But I, I loved it. It cracked me up. It was just, it was great. It was perfect. So, and then shortly after that, we meet Sean, the husband. We meet Sean, Mr. Noble. Just kidding. <laughs> Uh, he's driving like a, a taxi cab. He's hollering for his wife and daughter. Well, hollering out Rose's name, which catches the attention of the doctor. And so he gets in the cab and they have a great exchange about, I mean, <laughs> about Neris. And how wonderful is it that we get a Neris name drop in the Donna episode? Because we have to, that snake in the grass. I love it. <laughs> I love that Donna just continues to have this like frenemy Either way, I hope we never meet Neris. Oh, wait, did we meet her? It was in the... Because wasn't she like a bridesmaid for Donna's original wedding? The Christmas episode when we're first introduced to Donna. Now, all of a sudden, I'm drawing a blank. Because I haven't started... Even though I've started my Doctor Who annual rewatch, I'm holding off on the holiday episodes until it feels a little more Christmassy uh, in the house. We've started putting up decorations and yada yada, but... I need I need the tree up. I need my Santa hats out. I need those on the corners of the TV so I can play the best stupid game ever, and that is the Santa hat game. Um, but either way, the the exchange between the Fourteenth Doctor and Sean uh, was great. It was hilarious. You see that little bit of like a twinkle in the Doctor's eyes when he's kind of thinking about Donna not being Donna noble temple because it sounds too much like ancient ruins and it was just a sweet little a sweet little moment where he was able to remember her and not get like all sad and shit um and then we also just see just like how super chill sean is how super supportive he is and he has like no complaints i i <laughs> Even when his house starts, even when he comes home and there's a fucking meep in his house and Sylvia's screaming, nothing's real. And there's just chaos. He's just like, dinner smells great. What what smells so good? And then when they're uh, when they're escaping through the attics and they get down to get to the car to get to Sean's car right away, the doctor's like keys. And without question or anything, Sean hands over the keys. So I love that he just has this immediate trust 
uh, in the doctor. So I don't know, maybe if a little bit of Metacrisis kind of rubbed off on him where he's just so unbothered and unconcerned about what is happening. He's only concerned about Rose, right? Like his kid and his family, which is understandable. They're being shot at and shit. So, but he, he doesn't question (laughs) anything what's going on. The only time he really kind of speaks up is that the, the walls are not cement, they're mortar. And, and then Donna's little line about, thank you, Bob the Builder, because can he do it? Yes, he can. All right. And also in this opening scene, like I said, we meet Rose and uh, about a scene and a half later or so, we we see Rose and Donna are walking back home to the flat and we see that we hear Rose being harassed and dead named by some chumps from school or whatever. And first of all, I am so sorry for anyone that has had to deal with that kind of harassment on any on any level. And we everyone should be able to be who they are and not be questioned for it and not be harassed for it. Um, so it's I know, Sarge, it's kind of fucked up, isn't it? People are dicks. And as, as sad as it was to see this included uh, in this episode. I love that they did it because these exchanges happen in real life. Some of them can be a lot worse than what Rose experienced in this scene. Um, And so I'm glad that Doctor Who, that the showrunners did not shy away from this um, and that they included a trans actress to play a trans character to get that representation and inclusion and Really, like, it's very, and it, I don't know, it makes sense here. Not, not not necessarily that the character is trans or, like, quote, has to be trans or anything, but because the character is, it just, it feels, it, it feels welcoming to the, like, like, the show is welcoming to it. I don't know if that makes any sense, but to me, it felt very natural a very normal thing unfortunately with the scene with the harassment very real um but but to have that included and then immediately show how fiercely protective donna is i mean we we know that she is going to be fiercely protective over her kids we saw that in the a bit in the uh, silence in the library two-parters uh, when she's uploaded and she's got her kids and she's very concerned about them and she very much loves these kids that do not exist. So we know that that's always that's always been a part of Donna and what she is able to give. So I I, I just I thought it was so great and just really the inclusion and in all the uh, kind of conversations and just and, and everything about trans representation and not assuming pronouns and everything and and Rose accepting and feeling comfortable in who she is by the end of the episode it's it's very I don't know it's very Doctor Who-y it feels like I said like a natural kind of progression for this TV series that's been on for 60 years and I've seen online people sharing clips from classic Who where the Doctor did not shy away from pronouns and gender and stuff like that. So it's always kind of been on that path of, you know, progressive, being progressive or whatever. I think it's weird to think that 
inclusion and acceptance is a progressive thought that's kind of fucked up because I think that should just be how it is as <laughs> as human beings. Because to say that a certain group or any group doesn't have the right to exist is so fucked up. If you truly believe those things and you say it out loud and you don't go that, wow, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that I I can't wrap my mind around that thought, that way of thinking. I never want to. I don't want to understand that level of hate and bigotry because it's gross and I don't I don't want it. I don't want it around me. I don't want it near my family. So to see these things in the shows that we watch as a family is has has an important role in in their in the kids' lives because they can see this, see a trans character, a trans actress, and grow up with this being just a regular thing. It's just another character. It's just another actress. Instead of making a big old stinking deal about it, like some whiny fucking buttholes online. Anyway, I think I'm done with that. Nope, going on to my next note. <laughs> so not quite done with it. <laughs> but I do love that, you know, we've got this world, this sci-fi world where there's a time-traveling, ageless, regenerating alien and all these other aliens and dimensions and everything where we have meeps, ouds, and potato heads. But even in this sci- sci-fi fantasy world, there is still bigotry towards LGBTQIA people. And I love that Doctor Who is unapologetically saying that And if they hadn't said it before, that they are making it extremely clear that LGBTQIA people are safe in the TARDIS. And I think that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And who better than David Tennant uh, to be the face to express that? Uh, Because he has been a very outspoken advocate for trans and LGBTQIA people. He's got pins and the and the shirts and everything and he's not sorry for it and I and if you don't love him even more for that then like I said I don't want you in my life but then also throughout this exchange uh back at the at, at Donna's flat after they have found the meep taking in the meep I mean I get it because the meep is kind of cute although the oldest says that <laughs> The meep is very ugly. He does not think the meep is cute. He thinks it's freakish looking. <laughs> but then we have that moment where uh, the doctor is talking to the meep and trying to get a little bit more information and refers to the meep as a he and then Rose schooling the doctor on pronouns, which to be fair is a very Doctor Who thing to do. And for the 14th doctor to correct and be like, oh, yeah, good point. And then ask the meep. I mean, this wasn't like a standout scene for me because as a cishet Asian woman, I'm not, I guess, as in tuned to these moments um, as people whose lives are actually affected by these moments. So it just felt like a normal conversation 
I think especially in this day and age, as a lot more people are trying to be more aware and conscious of other people's pronouns and trying to be respectful of that. So the way that was handled with the 14th doctor just being like, oh, yeah, good point. And then asking the meep. I mean, that's really all we need to do if we are being corrected. Apologize, ask, and I don't know, don't dwell, don't make a big deal, don't make it all about you like, oh, God, I'm so sorry, this is so hard for me. Shut up. It's not that fucking difficult. Anyway. (laughs) But then I just, I love that when the doctor does ask the meep about the meep's pronouns and that their only pronoun is the one and only the meep and the doctor being like, oh, yeah, I do that too. I loved it. It was hilarious. It was perfect. It just, that whole scene, that whole exchange just worked wonderfully and it just felt normal. And in fact, it wasn't something that I picked up on my first watch. This brief exchange regarding pronouns, um, more on the second watch. Cause I was like, Oh, <laughs> I hadn't even really noticed. I just remember being like, the meep is the meep. And the doctor being like, the doctor's the doctor. So I love it. It was great. Um, And then it's also, real quick, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I've got my notes all kind of written out to try and keep me uh, going in a, in more of a straight, straight line, straight path. Um, But even, even I can't do it. I can't even do it when I have shit written down, but um, it's been brought up online that David Tennant has done an amazing job bringing in bits of 11, 12, and 13 and really showing how the Doctor is capable of growth and kind of facing their unfinished business in a sense. Um, One of the bigger standout moments for me in seeing that 14 is 14 and not 10 was... When the doctor's talking to Shirley and he's talking about Donna because they're like, oh, why this face again? And he immediately is like, well, I had this best friend. And so it's like he knows that he has unfinished business. He knows he needs to go make this right. So it's kind of cute that he continues to question it. But then the moment that he's like, when he's talking about Donna being his best friend and how he and then he says how much he loved her. And he's like, oh, oh, I guess I say things like that now. To me, that screams the 12th doctor. That is Capaldi's doctor, uh, at least for me. I mean, it really could be 11 or 13. And I admit I'm not still not as familiar with uh, all of 13's seasons. Uh, so I definitely need to make sure I get those worked in on my holiday, on my seasonal winter rewatch of Doctor Who. But I, I really, I don't know. It was just, it it was great. And I know that there were other moments, but for me, that was the one that really stood out where I was like, oh my God, there's the 12th doctor. I love it. Um, and also with bringing 10's face back and 14 being like, why this face really also reminded me of when 11 regenerated into 12 and had um, the face of the guy from the Pompeii episode, Volcano Day, which was another, obviously, Donna episode. And when 12 kind of molded over, like, why this face? Why this face? And then remembered 
that episode um, and Donna pleading with him, just save someone, just anyone. So I love that even though Donna doesn't remember, the doctor still remembers even to this day from 12, I mean, from 10 to now and that and how important Donna is and how important she was to the doctor in terms of him getting over his emo bullshit. But it feels like, to me, it seems like the doctor still has guilt, the most guilt, I think, over Donna because she got the worst ending. Rose got her own fucking doctor, all right? Thanks to Donna, Rose got her own goddamn doctor. And what does fucking Donna get? Her goddamn memory wiped. So, bleh. Uh, and then everything with Martha, I'm, I love that Martha left on her own terms and she went off and ended up, you know, working for unit. And last we saw that she was in a relationship with Ricky, Mickey, shit. (laughs) Um, so she was able to move on with her life post doctor. Um, even Clara, Clara gets a better ending. Bill Potts kind of got short-ended, but she did seem at peace. And I think as long as, I think if the Doctor's companions are at peace with how they leave him or them, uh, I think it's a little easier on the Doctor. And clearly, Donna went kicking and screaming and forever broke the Doctor's heart. And he even hearts, and he even tells her that just how much that killed him. So for him, so I guess this just kind of, for me, shows just how much guilt or maybe even repressed guilt he has with regards to Donna because he he regenerates into this face and then the TARDIS takes him. We know that the TARDIS doesn't always take the doctor where he, where they want to go, but where they need to go. And clearly the TARDIS, even in its transforming state, uh, knew that the doctor with this face had to go see Donna and make shit right. So I love that. Love it. Again, I have lost count of how many times I've said I love it. (laughs) So it just, I think, just is a great sign of how important Donna is because she's always questioning her importance. Even when she was with him during, you know, season four, she always questioned her worth. Why her? Why this? And she continues to do that. And I love that the doctor gets so upset by it because it's almost like he's tired in in the most loving way of reminding her how important she is and kind of having this conversation over and over and over again with her. And even now with her mind wipe, she still doesn't think. She's important. She's she's nobody. But the doctor loves her. He cares about her. And and that's why this face. So I love that the doctor has grown to the point where they're able to go back and kind of face some of their greater shames in their past, in a sense. Uh, let's see. Also, the sonic screwdriver. When did the sonic screwdriver be able to do all this cool shit that it's doing? It makes like a little a Tony Stark computer screen when he's sitting in the alley right before he meets Shirley. And we'll get to Shirley here in a moment. Uh, and then, of course, the bulletproof blast 
bulletproof pains that he creates to get away from these dollar store reboot RoboCop looking motherfuckers with their star eyes and shit, their psychedelic star, sun psychedelia, psychedelia. And then these big bug looking motherfuckers, which I got to say, I love that the voice was not what you would expect from a creature that looks like that. And that the one is like, oh, Sergeant Zoroth regrets early retirement. I don't know. I just had a moment of lethal weapon in that scene. Um, But yeah, when did the Sonic do all of these things? I, I was I was a little shocked and taken back by it. Um. So I'm I'm assuming this is something that happens uh, with the thirteenth Doctor, with her sonic screwdriver, maybe, or maybe that uh, Joe Martin's Doctor, that kind of in between, which I'm still I need to rewatch. I just need to watch all of Whitaker's runs because I'm still very 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 confused on how Joe Martin's Doctor kind of factors into everything. Either way, oh that'd be cool if like Joe Martin's Doctor shows up in one of the specials, right? That'd be a better explanation? I don't know. Was there a satisfying explanation? Eh, let me know in the comments. But yeah, <laughs> Sonic Screwdriver, doing amazing things, sweetie. It probably would have been super handy if it could have done all those things for like the last 60 years, but whatever. And then, okay. So, Shirley. We'll talk about Shirley real quick. Because uh, we've got that disability representation. I love the line where when the soldier's like, oh, we got to get up to the top of this funky looking spaceship and everything. And, you know, there's an emergency, yada, yada. And he looks and he's like, oh, sorry about the stairs. And I love the way that she's just like, don't make me the problem and get your ass up there. So love to see it. Uh, I think all wheelchairs need to be equipped with various weapons and then maybe airlines will be a little bit more fucking careful with them because that shit is infuriating to see. I can't imagine what wheelchair users go through when they fly and they no longer have their wheelchair. That's so fucked up. Ugh. Uh, I did see online some small-minded dipshit tried to be all like, how is she disabled? She crossed her legs. All right. First of all, shut up. Secondly, fuck off. Thirdly, I didn't even notice that shit until this dip hole fucking pointed it out. And guess what? I still don't give a fuck. And just because a person is in a wheelchair doesn't mean that their legs just don't work. So shut up. <laughs> You know, and I think it also breaks that kind of mold of what maybe a lot of able-bodied people associate with um, disabilities and wheelchair users, that they their, their legs can't function at all. But whatever. Uh, I, I still spend way too much time on Twitter. I think that's the fucking problem. <laughs> no, that's not the problem. These assholes are the fucking problem. So we'll... Uh, Shirley is badass. I love it. I hope we get to see more of her in uh, the upcoming episodes and even in the upcoming uh, season with uh, Shuri Gatwa playing the 15th Doctor. So I, I feel like we're going to get more of her just because of how she was introduced. Um, scientific officer, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. or not S.H.I.E.L.D. unit. <laughs> Oops. So I think I think we're going to get more of her and I think we're all going to fall even more in love with her 
already. Although she called the doctor Jammy, and I don't know what that means, but given the context and everything, I'm guessing that's a good thing. But then he goes, jam on toast. So, like, grape jam? I don't know. And why not jelly? Why is it jammy, not jelly? Is that like a a geographical location thing? Because, I don't know. Must be jelly because jam don't shake. So, I have weird associations with different words and things. Anyway, uh, let's see. I think that's about it for... Because we didn't get a whole hell of a lot of Shirley, but... The bits of Shirley that we did get were awesome. Looking forward to more Shirley. All right. I'm going to, I got to mention this because I was not expecting to be (laughs) like, I was so, all right, I'll just fucking say it. I loved Sylvia in this. I loved her. I was not expecting it. I was not expecting to be just to find her as endearing as she is in this, um, because she's kind of terrible during Donna's run. She's so bitter and angry and she's always just talking down to her daughter. And the only way Donna tries to knows how to try and make Sylvia feel better is by putting herself down. So, you know, like in the episode turn left and they're, you know, refugees and they're sharing this flat with this other family and everything. And, you know, Sylvia, you can see Sylvia is just, horribly depressed and just kind of zoning out and Donna's trying to trying to make her feel better by being like I guess you're right I guess I've always been kind of a screw up and Sylvia's just like yeah oh it breaks my heart it breaks my heart for Donna because no wonder she thinks she's not important she's got this woman here her whole life telling her that She's not that what she's doing isn't important, that she needs to do more and needs to be better and and not in that like nice, sweet, supportive way, but in that mean mommy way. So I was not expecting to just <laughs> love Sylvia as much as I did in this, because the second, the second the doctor comes a knocking, the closed caption even says growling. And then she goes, you. And then she charges the door and little exchange between the door. And then finally the doctor gets in and she just slaps him. Love it. And you can't blame her because you see from the minute we are reintroduced to Sylvia, because, you know, there's a spaceship crashing. And of course, Donna misses it because it's Donna. And but you see Sylvia very concerned about like, you didn't see it, did you? Because she knows that. If Donna remembers the doctor, Donna's head's going to go boom. And obviously, Sylvia still loves her daughter and doesn't want her head to go boom. So Sylvia, throughout this whole episode of being like, nothing's real. Oh, my God, nothing's real. And just freaking out. But also, it's coming from a place of love and concern. She doesn't want to lose her daughter and have that disrupt you know, their whole family dynamic and everything, because they're still a very close family. Uh, (laughs) Out of all the terrible things Sylvia has said to Donna over the years, they're still very much dependent on each other uh, to a certain, to a certain degree. So uh, also with Sylvia, 
Um, and with her granddaughter, Rose, the brief exchange that Sylvia and Donna have, I, I absolutely loved that. And I think maybe this is a big reason for having that much more. This might explain why I love Sylvia as much as I do in this episode, because the way that she is adapting to having a trans daughter and doing her absolute fucking best you got to love her for that. And she still questions whether or not she's saying the right thing or doing the right thing. Uh, she has a slip up and she feels super bad for it. And you see that look on her face and she apologizes to Donna and Donna accepts it. And Donna, I think, even mentions that, you know, they're all we're all still trying, you know, like trying to get over these uh, uh, misgendering, dead naming they didn't dead name. Sylvia didn't dead name, but she did misgender Rose, but felt absolutely terrible for it. And you saw that in her face. And I think when there is genuine regret, or you can tell that a person's attempt to be, to using the right pronouns and to being inclusive is genuine, then I think it's a lot easier for us to forgive them when they have these missteps. Um, I thought it was wonderful. You know, Sylvia gives Rose a big hug and kiss, tells her she looks beautiful, but then questions, is that sexist? Because she never said it pre-transition, so she didn't know if this is okay. And that's where she miss she misspeaks. Um, I just, I love to see it. And I am so happy to see that in Sylvia. I think that maybe in a in a big way kind of helps redeem some of her more terrible mom qualities <laughs> cuz she's trying to make up for it by being a great grandma a great a fantastic a wonderful <laughs> grandmother <laughs> and then of course wilf we get some wilf name drops we're led to believe wilf has passed and and the way that that's all kind of revealed <laughs> And I love that Sylvia calls the doctor an idiot. Like, he's supposed to fucking know that Wilf was still alive. <laughs> but the second they start name dropping Wilf, I'm just like, oh, my God, because I know the actor filmed his scenes before his passing. So I wasn't sure, obviously, which episode he appears in, obviously thinking it was this one, but... He didn't, and that's quite all right, because I think that for this first episode, it was important to focus, have that focus on the Doctor and Donna, and not so, and not just pull at all of the fucking heartstrings and bring Wilf in with all of that. So they're going to save that bit of happy, ugly, snot face, cry face for later. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. But I also think that maybe, maybe it's just me, but... I don't think Whovians are emotionally stable enough to have had Wolf included. <laughs> Not me anyway. They name dropped him and I swear to God, I was getting ready to cry. Dump. I am very, very, very much looking forward to seeing Wolf in either the next episode or the third one. I hope it's the next one. I don't want to wait too much longer because <laughs> we all love that man. Who doesn't love Wilf? Oh my God, he's willing to sacrifice himself at the end of time. No. Anyway, all right. So, the Doctor Donna, and that whole scene with these two, goosebumps. I love it. Uh, the way Mind Wipe Donna is just like, 
when when the doctor's like, yes, there's one way we can save London, but it's going to kill you. And she's just like, okay, let's do this. And the way she gets all kind of like shaky voice because that's her daughter down there and nine million people. Very, again, very much reminiscent of Volcano Day when she pleaded with the doctor. So it's nice to see that Donna still cares. And clearly she cared even prior to this moment because subconsciously she was soft like the doctor, as she says, and gave away all of her money. And you're just kind of like, oh, okay. My uh, my 12-year-old's like, she better have a good reason for giving away all of that money. And then she says, and he's like, I guess that's a good reason. <laughs> he's like, maybe just half, and I'd have kept the other half. So that's my boy. But I, But then the way that they are separated in that control room, because the glass comes down, again, reminds me of uh, when Wolf was in the chamber and... The tenth doctor is just like ah, screaming, all angry, like. So he does. He has another moment like that where he's like, "Why does it have to be this?" But then to save people, to save the world, he busts out the Manchurian Candidate code words to unlock her memory, and then through the first handful of words, Donna's like, "Get on with it!" And as he continues, she's saying along with him. Which also reminded me of, um, shit, what was the name of that really creepy episode? And it's like, they're on like the diamond planet and it's like the mimic thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But with the way she started saying things with him kind of gave me those vibes. So I don't know if that was intentional. Probably not. And that's probably me just overreaching, overthinking, um, and loving this episode way, way too much. But then... It all clicks. She does binary, binary, and then ah, regeneration energy. And then the way Donna snaps back, flicks her bangs out of her face, and immediately starts complaining about giving away the money. I was just like, yes, she's back. But then she seamlessly goes right into Dr. Donna on explaining how she was able to still remember him. Meanwhile, the countdown is counting down and Dr. Donna has clicked in. So she knows how much time she has and how dramatic she gets to (laughs) be in this moment before she starts flipping the switches. So, again, I loved it, right? Because she's flipping switches. It's very obviously reminiscent of Dr. Donna and she's flipping switches, turning dials, spinning Davros. Thank you, Davros. And... It just, oh my God, all the, all the fucking goosebumps. And, and then when she's like, how much time do I have left? And they both say 55 seconds. And she's like, best 55 seconds of my life. Flips the switch. Donna is descending. I love it. Because she said, if anyone came for her kid, she would fucking descend. And here we go. And then Donna, yeah, she starts to die. But then she doesn't die. Why? Because Rose is somewhere. They got out of whatever trapped space they were in, surrounded by fire, to get to the control flippies. Probably because once Doctor and Donna stopped the drilly bit thing. I love this too. This is the most Doctor, again, some of the most Doctor Who shit ever. All these divided 
you know, the earth starts to open up. Uh, various lines, like fault lines or whatever, kind of very reminiscent of like Stranger Things. <laughs> uh, with the ground opening up and and you see the lava and the magma. But since the Doctor and Donna stopped it, everything just goes back just fine. Just sewn right back together like one of those seamless stitches when you darn in a sock or some shit. And I love it. It cracks me up. It makes zero fucking sense, but also makes all the sense because it's Doctor Who. And I just, I, I love that. <laughs> That's not how the earth works. <laughs> but who gives a shit? They saved the day. That's all that matters, right? But yeah, so all of that happens. And then Rose starts flipping switches and saves these Timu RoboCop looking motherfuckers. And that's RoboCop remake, not original RoboCop. I think we know that. Um, the uh, sun psychedelia leaves their eyeballs. The Meep's plan has been foiled. And I think we all knew the Meep was going to be evil. It was going to be evil Meep. I, and also, sorry, evil Meep is redundant. But that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't a big shock when that was revealed. But I loved it all the same. But we find out that the metacrisis was passed down from Donna to Rose. And so it's a shared metacrisis. It's shared trauma. Repressed trauma. Woohoo! <laughs> then we kind of get all these, uh, all these little pieces kind of filled in as to Rose's shed was her remembering the TARDIS. Picking her name Rose. Again, better names, but won't get into that. What about Jackie? <laughs> but either way, um, I loved it. I loved the explanation. Um, it's, again, very, very Doctor Who-y, very timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, spacey-wacy. Uh, you can love it, and we can be besties, or you can hate it, and you can fuck off. So, <laughs> you know, then we get the, you know, Donna with the binary, and then non-binary, binary spoken over Rose with her glowy regeneration energy coming off of her. And again, Sean looking none too bothered by it. Just <laughs> it's like, oh, yep, here we go. But then, yeah, obviously explaining that because the doctor is both male and female and neither and more and having that kind of be the explanation, so to speak, for it, um, I love it. I I don't know why anyone would be upset by this if you don't have hate in your heart or hearts. I think it makes perfect fucking sense. I think we've always known that the doctor is both male and female and none and more. Um since forever. <laughs> it's they're a time traveling regenerating alien species i mean that's kind of a blanket explanation of them being able to do whatever the fuck they want so i'm still bummed that we don't get to keep the dr donna um because again if rose can have her own doctor created by and thanks to donna then she should be able to get to be able to stay the dr donna at least a little bit i think with the shared meta crisis they should be fine Ugh. I want my Dr. Donna. I want her permanently. Uh, but yeah, 
if Rose gets to keep her fucking doctor, Donna should be able to keep her version of the Dr. Donna, and I will not be taking questions or comments. This matter is settled. So I think the only real semi-issue I have with this episode was the simply um, with Rose and Donna and the meta crisis of just being like, just let it go. Something a male presenting Time Lord would never understand is to just let it go. And they chose to let it go. And while I think that has a great message overall, um, I'm not sure how well that fits with Doctor Who, only because, like, it's very Doctor Who-y of him, her, them to not let shit go. If they were able to let shit go, they wouldn't be off gallivanting across the universe and time and space and saving planets and people and losing pawns, like... That's that's just the doctor's way. I think that's just the way of the Time Lords, not being able to let things go. Look at the master. Look at Missy. Holy shit. Talk about not letting shit go. So I think I'm not entirely sure. I don't I don't hate it, but I don't 100 percent love it. But I do feel like that comment Donna makes to the doctor is actually more in reference maybe to the 10th doctor. Maybe she's speaking more specifically to him on letting things go, but maybe just the way of the Time Lords, I think, could have also worked instead of being gender specific. Although I do kind of like just calling out dudes for being the ones that can't let shit go. (laughs) But again, with Missy, Missy also couldn't let shit go, right? Like, that's the master. I mean... (laughs) Master baggage, am I right? <laughs> so yeah, I'm maybe I maybe my issue with it is just that we lose the Dr. Donna and maybe no matter how it was done or what line was used, I think I might have still been a little mopey popey about it because I why doesn't she get to stay the Dr. Donna? It's not fair. And then of course, the return to the TARDIS. And the way, (laughs) and I love Donna kind of reminiscing about it. And then Rose being like, can I see inside? And right away, Donna's like, nope, nope, uh uh-uh, nope. I know exactly where this is going to lead to and what's going to happen. And shuts that shit down before it even starts. And that is fucking hilarious. I love it because she knows. And as a mom, she's like, nope, not happening. Um, And of course, Sylvia also the mom, the grandma, just being like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. She can't go inside. Basically, neither of them are going to go inside. But then the way... But then the way Donna and the doctor kind of throw out that convenient excuse of, well, we'll just go visit Wilf real quick. Just pop in and see him. He'll love it. And that begrudging, like, okay, look on Sylvia's face, because she knows how much her dad would fucking love that and how much it would just make his day so she begrudgingly kind of agrees uh (laughs) good for sylvia (laughs) oh and i do have to say that it wasn't it did not escape me that it appeared that sylvia was in a tardis blue ish shirt so i'm not sure how intentional that was i'm gonna go with it was fully intentional and i loved it (laughs) because regardless of how she feels about the doctor doc clearly the doctor had a great impact on her and her family's lives 
And, you know, it's a great color. TARDIS blue is a beautiful blue. So, but yeah, so then Donna and Doctor go into the TARDIS because they're going to go pop in on Wilf real quick. So I'm like, yes, we still get to see Wilf. Um, we don't, and that's all right. Like I said, I'm fine. Uh, but then the way, the way that the 14th Doctor runs around the TARDIS seeing the brand new redesigned TARDIS, I like to think is just David Tennant seeing the set for the first time and fanboying all over it. And they just happen to catch it on camera. And also the round things. I love the round things. What are the round things? I don't know. I don't care. They're there. <laughs> At this point, you can't have a TARDIS interior without the round things. I think we would all collectively explode. So, um, but it was just, it was so adorable. It was so cute. The way he's just running around, like touching everything and all excited about stuff. And then Donna just being like, it's still a bit nippy. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. It's so funny. And then, and then the doctor being kind of like, ah, come on. And then they do their like bestie squealy jumpies. I love it. It's gorgeous. Ah, I love it. It was gorgeous. So fun. I mean, if there was no other moment between these two to solidify their bestiness, I mean, it is that one. The way they, I mean, come on, the jumpy squealies, that's a bestie move. That's an, I'm excited for my friend move. And I love it. And they're sharing that and sharing that excitement. And you just gotta love it. Uh, but then again, <laughs> she spills the coffee and she's like, I did it again. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. And then, and I love that, like, the TARDIS reacts so dramatically and at first I was like, what the fuck, TARDIS? Like, really? You've had tea spilled in you, like, how many times? And you've been more or less fine. But we'll chalk it up to the TARDIS is still rebuilding itself. Because uh, it'll do that after regeneration as well as, you know, get a new sonic screwdriver. So we'll just, yeah, we'll chalk it up to that. That the TARDIS was still rebuilding itself and couldn't handle that hot, hot coffee. So, but, yeah, I suppose... Something's got to spill in the TARDIS about every three seasons, huh? All right. Okay. So I do believe that is it for my overall review sentiments, fan gushing of Doctor Who the Star Beast. The first of the three holiday specials. A couple of just stray bubbles that I still have that I'm looking forward to maybe getting answers for is who is this buyer of Rose's toys? Um, they keep... They've they've mentioned the location, and I think they've mentioned the buyer is a woman. Like, what if it's Missy? Or what if it's Joe Martin's doctor? Or maybe it's Clara. I don't know, but I, I hope we find out. I hope it's cool. I hope it's mind-blowing. Awesome. And then the Meep always also mentions uh, their boss. So who's their boss? Is it NPH, Neil Patrick Harris's character? that we see is going to be in the next episode. Um, a new master. Other. So pretty excited for that. Um, because, yeah, the Meep has two hearts. So it's got to be the master, right? Because I don't know why. I'm stuck on the whole, like, 
these beings with two hearts all kind of coming around each other. Either way, I look forward to it and recording another one of these for the second one and the third one. And again, if anyone wants to come on and do a quick fan gush about it, please let me know. Um, yeah. So, all right, we'll go ahead and start closing out. But yeah, that's, that's it for me today. So let me know what you thought of today's episode. Let me know what you thought of the Doctor Who special. How excited are you for the rest of them? How excited are you for the new Doctor, uh, Shurigatwa? I'm not familiar with his work, but I hear wonderful things. So I'm very, very excited. Um, but feel free to leave me a comment or send an email. And those can go to mystreamingbubble at gmail.com. Um, and let me know, again, what you thought of this episode. If you have any episode suggestions, if you want to be tolerated, send them there. Or if you follow me on all the socials, like t- uh, like Twitter, at Streaming Bubble, you can send me comments there or send me a message. Please no unsolicited dick pics, because, ew, no one wants that. Boobies are fine. Just kidding. <laughs> um, But yeah, so... Twitter at Streaming Bubble, no my in that. And then you can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Threads as my Streaming Bubble. I'm getting a little bit better at posting on those. I have to try and start weaning myself off of Twitter because, I mean, that place was kind of a cesspool to begin with, and it's gotten so much worse. Who would have thought? Anyway, that's a rant for another time. So, um, but yeah, be sure to like this podcast wherever you get your podcast fix rate follow and share this podcast with your friends neighbor and mail carriers and of course as always thank you to all my lovely bubblies for listening and keep streaming bye